Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, ASM 18 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network wherever you are. Positively Different Radio in the morning and you are with Lyle and... Minnie. Minnie, how are you this morning? I'm really good this morning. I got all the things done I wanted before I came. Just feel super productive. Haven't even started my day and I've done things. That's cool. So what, what, what all did you get done? Oh, no, it's just like your basic thing. Like I just woke up, had my devotions, had, did some exercise, ate my breakfast and brushed my teeth. Just all the things before I came. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I'll eat breakfast later. Just, yeah. Brush your teeth later. Yeah. It's very annoying. I all really like brushing my teeth. But it was nice. I just got it all done and I was like, oh, brilliant. Time to go. <laughs> <laughs> and you got to see the sunset on your way here. What are you? Uh, um, oh, sunrise. 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 Yeah, yes, right. the sunrise. Yeah. The sunrise. <laughs> yes. Okay. So I have a really cool story to tell. Oh, tell me. I have the, the coolest story ever. So, uh, my, fa- my, my wife, while she was on quarantine, yeah. she does a family tree, right? So, you get on one of these websites, and the way it works is that you can never see any information in relationship to anyone who is alive. Mm-hmm. But if somebody else has been doing some family research and you start to put in details of somebody who has died, mm-hmm. it will sometimes connect the dots for you and say, oh, is it this person? Amazing. And when it, and you say, yes, it's this person, then you get to stand on the shoulders of everybody else who's done all of the research. <laughs> and uh-huh. suddenly your family tree just grows like, and all these blanks just fill in and it goes way, 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 way back. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, this is pretty cool. So I start working on mine and, you know, I'm back to 1690. Aye. Wow. So that's really awesome. That's really awesome. Anyway, so I connected it to my wife's one yesterday Mm -hmm. and started tracing hers back. And I've ran down through this one line and it's gone back to 1000 AD. Then I've traced down another line and it's gone back to, it's gone back to, uh, you know, 800 AD. (laughs) I'm like, this is just getting, this is so cool. It's getting nuts. Then I got one one that went back to, because you get the different lines Mm. that go back. Then I got one back to 20 AD. And if you want to hear about how far back I actually got the family tree to go and why I was able to get it back that far, then I'm going to share that during Positively Different News because I just can't do it in 20 seconds. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively Different. Okay, so I have to tell you about my wife's family tree. Yes, please do. Okay, so the reason that we got it back to 20 AD Mm -hmm. is because they're connected to royalty. And once you get a royal line, Uh, then there's very good records. Yes. Okay. Wait, royalty in what country? Oh, I'm getting there. I'm oh, getting oh, there. Okay. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> so, 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 once you got royal lines, you got very good records. Mm. And the other thing that's interesting about royal families is that they all, once you go back far enough, they all intermix with each other. Mm-hmm. So you can follow this royal line that connects to that royal line that connects to the next royal line because they're all connected, right? Uh-huh. Because of these marriage alliances that you know are used to form uh, connections with various countries. Mm. And so it goes from the United States. To Scotland, to England. It's, you can see it working its way down through York all the way down to Kent. When it gets down yeah. to Kent, it crosses across into Normandy. Uh, and from Normandy, it goes up through Denmark, and that's where it hits royalty. Okay. Okay, Ooh. so once you hit Denmark, you hit royalty, and then it crosses over into Norway and then Sweden. And there's a bunch of Viking kings in there, yeah. you know, some pretty cool <laughs> stuff happening. Um, and then a whole bunch of kings of Sweden. And then you find that the kings of Sweden. Uh, formed an alliance with Turkey. Interesting. Really interesting. So this is where it just it just gets wow. mind blowing. Uh-huh. Now the Turkish royalty uh, they formed alliances with Syria. Okay. Yes. Right. Uh, now by this stage we are back before twenty A.D. Because if you remember your Bible prophecy well, 
you will remember that when uh, Alexander the Great died, uh, the you know is, is depicted as you know um, uh, uh, the Greek Empire is depicted as a beast with four heads. Yeah. Okay. So yes. Alexander the Great yes. dies, and it goes to four of his generals: mm-hmm. Cassander, Lysimachus, Seleucus, and Ptolemy. Okay, I don't remember that part, but I know there was four. <laughs> okay, there was four. Yep. All right, the Seleucids. <laughs> mm-hmm. So they ruled in Syria. Ooh. So my wife's family is related to the Seleucids, and so you can trace them. This is this is all now pre-Roman era, back through the Seleucid kings. The Seleucids were Greeks. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's two lines, one that goes back through Sparta and ends up with, like, Zeus and Apollo, and it's like, yeah, whatever. (laughs) Uh, The other which goes through Thebes. Now, they had a marriage alliance with pharaohs of Egypt. The pharaohs of Egypt that you then trace back through, and it's got them all listed there, Mm. to a fellow by the name of Mizraim. Egypt is also known as Misa. Yeah. After Mizraim, right? Uh-huh. So it's the other name for Egypt is Mizar or Misa. This is amazing. Okay. Mizraim was the son of Ham. No. Yes. He's in the Bible in Genesis like chapter I... seven, uh, nine, sorry. Yes. You have traced right your back to, right back to Right back to Adam. Or God, if you want to put it that way. This is put Yahweh, Yahweh at the top and I'll pull this. Now, it d- does go through some legendary periods. Yes, yes, yes. But these are all records that have been written down at some particular point and where, you know, somebody's actually, you know, because you're, you're Egyptians, they record all of their pharaohs. Mm. We don't know the dates of when they ruled, but we've got no reason to doubt that, you know, this pharaoh came after that one, came after that one, came after that one, mm-hmm. and then you just simply connected across to the Greek kings and, you know. Just simply, the, the, <coughs> just simply, yeah, you well, know. <laughs> At least by the time you get to the Seleucid kings, mm. you've got very good records. Yes. Wow. <laughs> that was very you, cool. So you just did this yesterday? Or? I was just looking at it last night. I've, I had a rather late night last night. Okay. I was a bit tired this morning. <laughs> Look, I can understand. I would find that very fascinating. Oh, it was okay, – for somebody who's just like into history yeah. like I am, I was just – Totally geeking out like you would not imagine. How did Cheryl react? Is she quite as excited? Or she's like, oh, yeah, cool. She was like, oh, yeah, cool. <laughs> but I rang my son Sorry, Harley son. because my oldest son oh, Harley is major, majorly into, uh, into, into history. history. Mm. And my other son, uh, who goes by Lord Emerson Charles, Charles Southwell, because someone bought him a lordship, you know, one foot square of land oh, in, yeah. <laughs> in, uh, in a castle grounds in Scotland somewhere for like his 13th birthday and he's just owned it ever since. Hey, absolutely. Uh, I am now able to happily inform him that uh, he is the descendant of a Scottish lord. That's so amazing. <laughs> I mean, we know that we're all related to Noah somewhere on the line. Yeah, but it's nice when you can actually be like, yeah, 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 but uh, look at all these things. According to legend, this is who we're related to all the way through. Yeah. I mean, I love family history. I'd love to learn more of my – but this is the thing, what you just said. I like when <laughs> – honesty, I like when other people do the research and then they just tell me, I'm like, wow, amazing. I don't love to be the one to do the research. Like yeah, exactly. It's just a bit exactly. arduous. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh. Somebody's, somebody's done some serious research. But, you know, once you get back into those kings, it's not so hard to do mm. because those are very, very well-kept records. And now what I want to do is to, is to uh, you know, to, to line them all up mm-hmm. in a line. So this is, this is where it traces through. Da, 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 da. And, you know, I'm going to just put, put beside each one, deceased, 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 mm-hmm. okay, mm-hmm. until it comes down to uh, my father-in-law who's yeah. living and my wife who's living and then my two boys who are living. But at the other end, you know, it goes all the way back to Adam, uh-huh. which goes back to Yahweh, who once again is living. Yeah. So living at the top, living at the bottom. 
because I reckon you've got your own little good news story there. Oh, it's just that I've, yeah, I know I've used up your whole. No, no, no. I wasn't. I wasn't planning on using your Don't time. You I'm sorry. This is fantastic will, for me. I will give you some time in my slot. Coming no, no. Up I, I actually love like hearing things like this. I just think it's so interesting. One of my favorite things to talk to people about is their families. Like for good or for bad, I just think it's so fascinating. And family lines. I'm like, this is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and because I do wonder too, how much? I mean, obviously, not, maybe not going that far back, but I think our genealogy does kind of impact us in some small way. Like there's something about oh, it. Definitely. You know, and, and like maybe that's only a few generations back. Well, we know from epigenetics it goes back four generations. Yeah, which makes so much sense to me when you look at the fact that God says things will continue for the third and fourth generation. That's exactly I'm right. Like, ah. That's exactly See, right. So the emotional impact it. that mm. four generations um, had, you know, on your, on your parents, your grandparents four generations back, that emotional impact actually affects you. Yeah. And, Amazing. And, and helps form who you are as a person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I can't even get my head around that. That's amazing. <laughs> but yeah, for, for good or for bad, that's the, that's the thing though, isn't it? There are yes. some things that you're like, oh man, I'm so glad this is here. And then there's some things you're like, oh, could have gone, could have gone without that one. <laughs> anyway, I left it all open on my computer last night so I could look it up again this morning. Um, and, you know, it wouldn't get lost in the whole family tree because it's kind of, you know, it's like you randomly stumble on stuff. Mm. And then my computer decided during the middle of the night to update its software. I've got to start over from scratch and find it all again, <laughs> which is so disappointing. Uh, anyway, we're going to move on. Uh, Minnie didn't even get to share a sto- story this morning. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Well, joining us on the phone this morning is Luke from Oz Table Talk. Luke, welcome to the show. Ah, thank you for having me. And Luke, I understand that you've got uh, daddy duty this morning, so the uh, the kids will be keeping you busy while we're having a bit of a chat here, but that's all good. We're looking forward to hearing uh, about what you have to uh, share with us. Now, Table Talk, you guys do this podcast, um, kind of goes out once a week. There's a bunch yes. of different subjects that you'll cover over the period of a month. What has Table Talk been up to in the last month? Sure. So there's been a few interesting topics, actually. The the first one that we uh, that we did was basically asking why couldn't God just forgive, right? Because you know why did Jesus actually have to die? If if, if they would, if God was just going to forgive humans anyway, then why not just do that without bothering about killing His Son? That's a really good question. I think a lot of Secular people that I've met, they don't actually get it, and they're like, "Okay, well, wasn't this like really cruel for God to do this? What kind of a person would do something like that? Why was it necessary? What were some of the conclusions that you came to?" So, some of the thoughts that we that came around that idea is about forgiveness isn't really forgiveness unless you're bearing the sin of the other party, right? And where this, where I think a lot of people get confused is, yeah, you know, to use. There's, a, there's some fancy terms for it, but basically there's a two-party or a three-party atonement. If you think that, that God is somehow just getting Jesus as we're going we're gonna to substitute the sacrifice of or the death of, of a human for Jesus instead, that doesn't actually get the whole picture. It's a lot bigger than that because Jesus is actually God. And so, therefore, it's, it's not just him replacing us to be the one that dies. It's actually God choosing to die himself in our place. Yes, yes. And, and and I think there's an aspect here also where you look at the great controversy and if God had just forgiven humans, you know, Satan would have said, well, that's not fair. You said that the wages of sin is death and that, you know, people have to die because we want to get rid of sin. Um, and so Satan would have 
had a very good a very good case. He would have just said that's not fair. You can't you can't say the wages of sin is death and then back away from it. Um, yes. And then of course. If God had said, okay, well, then we're wages of sin is death. We have to get somebody to die in place of all of these other people. So uh, let me pick uh, you over there. Then that wouldn't have been fair either because the person over there were like, well, what did I do? Mm. Whereas yes. God actually yeah. made the law in the first place. Mm. Yes. And I think, the, I think that there's another facet to this that we often miss, and that is that we often think of sin, as, and rightly so, we think of sin as a transgression of the law or breaking of the law. But the Bible also presents sin as a disease, right? That that needs a that needs a solution, that needs healing, and the you know the death of Jesus in the in the narrative of Scripture accomplishes both goals. It it ensures that we as humans we have access to forgiveness. That uh, that that law is. Uh, and by the way, this is actually the beautiful thing about how God interacts with humanity, right? Because not only is He um, being sacrificed on our behalf. He literally became one of us. So in a very real and literal way, humanity is dying. It's not just God dying in our place, although that is true. It is also humanity dying because he became fully you know, 100% human as well as 100% God. So that's why Jesus was the only one that could actually die and solve the issue and not some other being, either heavenly or earthly. Yeah, so Jesus becoming a human being adds another layer to this once again. That enables it to uh, to actually take place. We can hear the kids in the background there, Luke. That's awesome, uh, Daddy Jimmy <laughs> yeah, this morning. Yeah, so. some fun. Uh, How old are your kids? A three-year-old, a three-year-old, and a ten-month-old. So oh, there's wow. no such thing as quiet for them. <laughs> <laughs> normally, normally we pre-record your interview um, after the kids have been uh, sorted out and taken care of. But uh, mm. today, we thank you for taking the time to come on and talk to us. Now, Luke, uh, what else have you been talking about? Okay, so uh, one that actually we released on Tuesday this week was asking, is the separation of church and state biblical? So that was a question that, that came from one of our listeners, and uh, we had, so, had some fun discussing that, especially in, you know, in light of what's been happening around the world of, of recent times. Okay, so here's some challenging, some challenging thoughts. What about Melchizedek, priest mm. and king? Mm. Kingly priest, that's it. And that's, it is a challenging thought, because even if you look at, uh, you know, Israel's history, you know, they were formed as a theocracy, right? So God was at the head of their country. And, you know, Melchizedek is, is a great example of that. But if, if we understand uh, Melchizedek to be, and, you know, we don't know, we don't know his history, you know, if, if he was Jesus, as, as, you know, many commentators, uh, say, then that makes complete sense if he's both king and priest. But whenever we see that happening in a, in a civil sense or in, a, in a, what we look at in our world today, whenever we see the union of church and state, we typically end up with a, one thing, and that is oppression. So we have, we have the dark ages to, to uh, bolster that viewpoint, right? As soon as you, you unify the authority of church and state, then people's consciences uh, are compelled and you end up with a very uh, diabolical system. So we've got some great precedent from history to support the concept of church and state. What about biblical passages? So we were looking at this because, and this is one of the reasons that that was cited by our, our listener, Michael, when he asked us to make this, um, uh, to do this episode. There's a, a pa- couple of passages he cited where it says quite clearly, you know, one's in, I think it's Second, second Samuel, uh, sorry, First Samuel and another one later in Scripture, but passages where, 
the Bible clearly says that uh, like a man of God should be on the throne. And w- when a man of God is on the throne, now I'm paraphrasing, but when a man of God is on the throne, then the nation is happy, and that, that's God's ideal. And we drew a very clear line here that it is advantageous if there is someone who is a devout Christian. It is advantageous if they are in power because hopefully they are going to be mirroring the character of God and they are going to be enforcing the free will of the people that they are governing. Whereas the problem comes when you have a religious system in power that does not respect the free will of its subjects. And that is the challenge because as soon as, you know, as the saying goes, you know, absolute power corrupts absolutely. So typically when people do get into those positions, they do force the will of others. And so therein lies the challenge. And so that's the, that's the, the picture. But a lot of people will point back to even in, in Israel that the, it was a theocracy and that was unified. But when you look at that, even you go back to Moses and Aaron, God still separated the spiritual from the secular in a sense because Moses, yes, was leading the nation, but who did he anoint as high priests? His brother Aaron. So there was, I believe, anyway, in Scripture, there was always a precedent of the separation of church and state up until the coming of God's kingdom, the kingdom of God. Yeah, and you've got a great president with King Uzziah who goes and and uh, offers incense in the temple. And yes. you know, the, the, the priests are like, you can't do this, but it's because he was the king. He wasn't a priest, and the two were not, you know, were to remain separate. He gets struck with leprosy. Oh, yeah, very right. good. Same thing, with, same thing with King Saul, too. Yeah. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. You're right. Didn't think of that mm-hmm. one. That's a good example. Um, okay, so, um, yeah, what else have you been up? What else have you been talking about? Uh, so one more that we've done this month was uh, asking the question, is Christianity a crutch? You know, some people that I've spoken to that, that would class themselves as atheists, they, they would say, yeah, Christianity is an intellectual or an emotional crutch that people use to get through life. It's not, it's not actually a real thing. It's just a crutch that people use. Right. So we sort so of hatched it. Where did that, yeah, where did that conversation go? Yeah, so what I was just going to say, we basically, we talked about the fact that it, May well be, but the the fact of the matter is, if we are if we believe rightly, if we if there actually is a God and He is actually interested in us, you know, of course He is going to that is going to help us. I mean, there's been a number of uh, psychological studies done that demonstrate that people who have a belief in a higher power, that people that believe and practice their their faith, they have an advantage. They have a psychological advantage over others. So you can look at it as being a crutch, but you can also look at it as being an advantage based in fact, because they are having faith and they have a relationship with the creator of the universe. And uh, as we were talking through that, it was it was evident that if we do believe in God, that we do have some, some beautiful advantages. And so in a sense, the people that say that are correct, the real the real question then becomes well is it rightly or wrongly understood you know is there actually a god or do we just have a, some sort of psychological benefit because we think there is one and so what the question really then comes down to isn't so much is christianity a crutch but is is the bible accurate and can we believe in that god sounds fantastic now how do we listen to the podcast Sure, you can find us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, or you can look up all the links on our website, oztabletalk.com.au, A-U-S-tabletalk.com.au. So that's oztabletalk.com.au. 
Um, That's right. Great portal to go to right there for uh, the Oz Table Talk podcast where you can hear Luke and his friends discussing the serious subjects that you would like more time to dwell on yourselves and uh, recording those conversations. We're going to move on with the show. Luke, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you so much, guys. You have a great day. You're listening to The Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM positively different. It is now time for, and of course our producer is not here to play the little jingle, so we're going to miss out on the jingle. Unbelievable. Okay, so I wasn't here during the show. I was out answering a phone call, but right now it is after the show and I'm editing it all up and right now I am here, which means that it is time for Question of the Day. Question of the day. Question of the day. Question of the day. Today's a super controversial one. Question of the day. Vaccinations. Where are you at with vaccinations, Minnie? Uh, (laughs) She doesn't want to answer on it. Yeah, I know. Look, I was. I just. Yeah, I am not opposed. I am skeptical. Yeah, they kind of. I I find that they kind of do give kids a lot of vaccinations these days. The um, I'm 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 very pro-vax. I do have questions. Yes. I, and I, I don't think it's healthy not to have questions. Mm. I do have questions. And this is just me. I am not a medical doctor by any stretch of the imagination. Right. It's just purely my opinion. So go and talk to your medical professionals um, about this. I've had medical professionals that have sort of given me views from both sides. Well, that's And I think that's why I also have questions because yeah. I've had doctors say to me no and doctors say to me yes and I'm like, ah. So this person, has, this person has sent a very, very long question coming through. Okay, first of all, the Bible does not speak about vac- vaccinations. There is nothing in the Bible that you can use as a, a biblical uh, mandate or precedent not to use vaccinations. Mm. So this is not an issue in relationship to the Bible. We need to make that very, very clear that you cannot use the Bible in this debate. Yes. So this is something that you're going to take up between your medical professionals and your uh, family and with God as to how you make your decision. In relationship to vaccinations, I regularly get vaccinations when I travel overseas. It's kind of a requirement and... You know, you don't have to get a lot of different vaccinations, but there's some really nasty bugs out there. So the question, uh, the questions that come through, there's kind of three of them here. Um, this person says, odd to discredit the immune system that God has given to us by adding something to it. First of all, you're not discrediting the immune system. You are actually tapping into the immune system. So we have this amazing immune system, and the way a vaccination works is you tap into this amazing system that God has given to us by prompting that system to create antibodies to rescue you from uh, whatever disease it is that you're being vaccinated from. The next question that comes up is that this person doesn't feel comfortable with being uh, vaccinated with vaccines made from aborted fetal cells. Now, I am very much against abortion. Mm. I am totally against abortion, particularly if we are you know, reached a point where we had to do abortions so that we could have vaccinations. If it was a choice between the two, I would say go without the uh, vaccinations um, in favour of keeping the children alive. Having said that, whenever somebody dies, well, not whenever, but often when somebody dies, there is the opportunity of using parts of that person in somebody else to save another life. 
And so if a fetus is aborted, aborted for, you know, through natural causes, through natural means, um, or through a medical emergency, I have no qualms. You know, if that was my child, I would say, please use whatever you can. It's the same with my body. If I get killed in a car accident, take my eyes, take my lungs, mm. take my kidneys, take whatever you can, and, you know, take my heart, spread it around the world and save as many lives as, as possible as you can with it. And there's no difference between that using my organs from my dead body to save a life and, uh, and, and, and using cells from a fetus that has died. Mm. What I am against is purposely taking the life of you know, a viable Aye. child. Uh, that should not be happening. Um, and then, of course, well, the other, the other question that comes through here is kind of related to the first one where it's, they're saying it's kind of strange to take tissue from another human being and inject yourself with it. I believe that as Christians, and this is my opinion, because once again, you don't find this in the Bible, we have a moral obligation to be an organ donor. And I believe that in Australia, we should have an opt-out system, not an opt-in system to organ donation. So in other words, you're automatically all organ donors unless you want to opt out. That's my position on it, and I feel quite passionately about it. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.